You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, how Carmen Perez paid off $57,000 of debt in two and a half years and switched careers from corporate to coding. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. I am, as I always am, excited for you to be joining us today. So whether you're new or a returning journeyer, I think you're going to really love this story. Before we hop into the episode, let me tell you about today's sponsor of the podcast, Empower. I know how much work it is to juggle career, family, and money management. Look, I get it. As a full-time entrepreneur with three small kids, a husband, and me trying to keep up my friendships, working out, and staying healthy, your girl is tired. Plus, let's not even add on the craziness of the financial markets right now. Hashtag tired and over it. Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R, is an awesome app that gives you back your valuable time by making money management and saving the easiest thing you do all day while allowing you to take more control over your financial future. So raise your hand if you'd like to save more without lifting a finger. It's more important now than ever to find ways to save and Empower helps you do just that. For starters, Empower has an automated savings feature. I simply tell the app my weekly savings target and every day Empower studies my income and spending and automatically knows when to move the right amount of money into my savings account where it grows with unlimited withdrawals and no minimum. It's called autosave. Just set it and forget it. The app even tells me about upcoming payments that are due. So it's nice to have the app remind me because quite honestly, sometimes with my schedule, I forget. Yes, even me, Jamila, your chief launch officer, needs a reminder when a bill is due. I'm guessing you can use that kind of help too. Now, Empower has a nice human touch because let's face it, sometimes you need to talk to real living, breathing people for guidance on whatever financial challenges you're going through. So just text Empower's human coaches who are on standby to share personalized recommendations and steer you through whatever financial questions that come up. If you want to save more than ever before, you got to check out Empower's app. Download Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R in the App Store or Play Store. I did, and over 650,000 other people have too. And for listeners of this show, that's Journeyers, get $5 when you use the code JOURNEY and reach your savings goal. Visit empower.me slash journey for more details. That's empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R dot M-E slash J-O-U-R-N-E-Y for more details. Stick around to the end of the episode. I'm going to be sharing some tips from today's sponsor, Empower, on how to get financial relief from the coronavirus outbreak. Today, I'm interviewing Carmen Perez. Carmen Perez is of Make Real Sense. That's her Instagram. That's her blog name. And I'm really inspired by Carmen. She was originally on the podcast when I had my colors of FI roundtable chat a few episodes ago. I'll link that in the show notes if you want to check it out. But I just had to have Carmen come back on for her own solo episode. So not only has Carmen paid off $57,000 of debt in a little over two and a half years, but one of the things that really, when I saw that she did this, I was like, I got to get her on the show, is she switched careers. She went from corporate where she was earning six figures and doing really well for herself. She quit her job, 
to start coding boot camp. So she wanted to become a coder and she switched careers, went to coding boot camp, and now she's a coder. And I just feel like this is the kind of things dreams are made of and it's a reality. And Carmen made it a reality for herself. So if you are listening and thinking to yourself, I picked the wrong career or I feel stuck, I'm not happy, what can I do about it? Then you have to listen to this episode with Carmen. As always, don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening on your phone or however you consume the content and share it with me on social media. Tag me at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And then just tell me what a takeaway is or what you're enjoying about the show and tag Carmen too at Make Real Sense on Instagram. That's where she hangs out the most. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, journeyers. I'm really excited to have back on someone who was on the podcast already, but she did not have a feature interview. So she deserved her own spot. She was on the roundtable discussion that I did back episode 85. Carmen Perez from Make Real Sense. Hi, Carmen. Hey, guys. Hey, every, every, everyone. <laughs> so I am um, super excited to have you on because you know that we've been like... Um, finance friends and like following each other um, online and supporting each other's work. And I am really excited about all you've accomplished, um, like paying off debt. And most recently, like your pivot from your corporate job to, you told me to call it software engineer. I was going to call it say coding (laughs) (laughs) about terminology, but I find I've, I've, I've been asked questions like that a lot. Like when I, especially when I talk about like these alternative um, careers that people can do and how like, you know, anything in the tech world can be lucrative. And people always ask, okay, I'm already doing this. How do I switch to that? And you've done it. And so I want to definitely walk through all of that. Yeah. Um, can you just like let people know who if they don't know who you are, like your personal finance journey. So you paid off a lot of debt, um, like your kind of background, like where did you start to get bit by the personal finance bug? Yeah. So back in 2016, I like to tell everyone that um, I was terrible with personal finance. My degree and background is in finance. I've worked in the finance industry or I worked in the finance industry for uh, roughly 10 years. And um, majority of that time I spent was just terrible in finance. I had bad credit. I had uh, very little saved. I got sued for my student loans. Um, and in 2016, I decided to try to turn that all around and become or work on getting debt free so I could open up my options and figure out what I wanted to do next in life uh, because I knew finance was just not going to be like my end goal. Um, so 2016, started trying to get out of debt, got sued for my student loan, um, hustled as hard as I could to pay that off. Uh, and over the course of two years and nine months, paid off $57,000 of debt, um, just busted butt to get that done. And <laughs> that was that was the main 
a large part of my journey. It just it took two years and nine months to complete, and then that's when I switched focus and started grinding it out with uh, saving to quit. Yeah. Okay. So I want to take it back because when you say you got sued um, for your student loan, like I feel like okay, like what happened there, and how much was that? Because um, there may be some people listening. Like, wait, can I get sued for my student loan? Like, what, <laughs> um, <laughs> like what led you to that predicament? And then I kind of want, I do want to go back into your like education history, because I think it's, I think it's not uncommon that people who are good with numbers, like on paper and like got degrees, you know, with numbers in it or finance (laughs) are not good personally. So I want to talk about that too. So first let's talk about the student loan. Yes. So the student loan, um, the short answer, you absolutely can get sued. (laughs) I had a private student loan, uh, pseudo private uh, student loan. Um, the, I defaulted on it while in school. So they defaulted me while I was still a full-time student. And there was a whole thing around that. Uh, but that's not what this show is about. So long story short is, uh, it defaulted and really, really had an impact on my credit that ended up hurting me as far as being able to get a job. Um, I had an offer rescinded from a large investment bank uh, because of my credit and because of having that defaulted student loan status on uh, my credit report. So fast forward a couple of years up until 2016, right before um, I had gotten sued, that default was on my record for quite some time at this point. So I graduated um, in 09 and then that default had carried up all the way until 2016. Um, and at some point in between that time period, I kind of poked the bear. So resetting the clock on the statute of limitations and all that stuff for this this loan, I maybe paid like $100, $200 here and there. Uh, but it was defaulted. And um, I got really overwhelmed by that. And in 2016, they sent me a note or this, this notice. Uh, it was a complaint, actually. That was like the start of the lawsuit. Like, you need to respond to this. And... Uh, I remember opening the envelope and like literally shaking because I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a lot of money saved. I think at this point, maybe I had less than $3,000 in my account and the loan amount was for $30,000 and some change. Um, And I looked at, I went on Google, of course, Google University, and it basically was like, oh, this is how lawsuits start. (laughs) You have to answer this complaint and um, go from there. So What ended up happening is I had to get a lawyer, which was even more money I didn't have at the time. Um, And this, I think this actually was close to like tax season and me getting a bonus from work. So it actually worked out nice because then I used that money for that I got for a bonus um, to get a lawyer, to be able to buy me some time, to be able to pay this uh, student loan off and um, ended up happening over the course of a year year and a half. Uh, She bought me a year and a half in time just because there was a lot of issues with them defaulting me uh, while I was still in school. There was a lot of uh, legal stuff that they shouldn't have done. Um, So that just gave me, afforded me enough time to be able to save money to pay it off. Yeah. So what was, what field were you working in at that point? So at that point I was in finance. Um, I did have a job. I was working um, right down in the financial district in uh, New York City um, and was making good money. Um, I, I can't complain about the, the money that I was making when I had first moved to New York city. I worked, uh, for one bank moving from Florida. I was making 50,000. Um, and then in a year, less than a year transition over, 
to New York City, uh, I started had a starting salary of eighty thousand, um, and then it just went up from there um, while working in the city. So there's definitely a big cost of living difference. <laughs> I was making yeah. fifty thousand for three years in Florida, and then overnight went to eighty thousand living in a four bedroom apart uh, apartment in Harlem, paying nine hundred dollars for my room and rent. <laughs> right. So okay. During this transition of you earning more money, how were you personally with money? So you got a degree in finance, you worked in finance, and then now you are managing this money. So you got such an increase. How did that come into play with like being able to manage the day-to-day stuff and any debt that you had? Oh, yeah. So I think that's like the big misconception. I think a lot of people think that, oh, you know, she has a degree in finance or accounting. She must be good at it. It's kind of one of those do as I say, not as I do. Um, even with financial advisors, I've heard um, some crazy statistic where you know some of them haven't even traded on their own accounts or are managing their account, their own investment accounts in a positive manner. Um, so when I was, you know, moved to New York, wheeling and dealing, you know, you're young and it's a new city, and you have this bigger salary. To be honest with you, I was still borrowing money from my friends. I was going on trips. I was just not doing what I needed to do with my money. Um, long story short, I was just I was terrible at it. That's why you know in 2016, that's when I you decided, hey, I have to be an adult about this and turn my situation around. So, what was it exactly? And I know part of it was getting sued, right? That's when you <laughs> first found out you were getting sued. But like, what? Because you could have just kept your head down and was like, look, I'm just going to continue and enjoy my life, like. What what made you really get serious about it? I think I started identifying this weird habit of like, you don't have to be in this weird struggle all the time. I had I was fortunate enough to have a choice because I was making good money and in a place with so many opportunities. I started realizing it's just one of those things like I'm choosing to live paycheck to paycheck. I don't know why I'm doing that. And I don't know what patterns you know, there were in my background that maybe helped me identify that. But I came to this, you know, this, I had some clarity moment where it was just a matter of like, why are you choosing to do this? Why are you choosing to put the stress on yourself constantly day in and day out, borrowing money, having this bad credit and being okay with that. And I think in 2016, it just, I don't know what it was that sparked it. I think Mr. Money Mustache, it was like this guy that, you know, um, uh, retired at 30. That was super inspiring. Here I am making more money than he was, I think at the, or, I don't know, towards the end of his career, but making more money or at least having some um, to be able to do something about my current trajectory. So I think 2016 was just like, look, I need to do something. I got inspired by his story and then all these other money stories with financial independence and all that stuff and got really motivated and wanted to just change this struggle of, you know, always living paycheck to paycheck to like really having something to fall back on and feel comfortable and have the security um, under me. Right. So at this point, how much like debt were you in completely? Was it mostly the student loans or did you have some credit card debt? What were you kind of digging yourself out of? Jamila, I had it all. I had it all. I had collections accounts. I had um, an auto loan that I need to finish paying off that I was paying 18%, 18 18.5% interest on because I had terrible credit. Um, uh, Credit cards and just things in collection. Majority of the the, the debt, the 57,000 was student loans. Um, But I had all different kinds of accounts. 
Okay. So when you, you got inspired by Mr. Money Mustache and seeing other people, like that's the thing too, like, you know, before you don't know, and then you like wake up, you're like, wait, this whole world existed. Like it was in parallel. It almost seems like it was like another world, but it, it like was existing. You just didn't right. know about it. You're just like, cause I feel like I, that happened to me too. I'm like, where the hell was all of this all along? <laughs> like, <laughs> but it was right there. You just, you know, when the teacher is ready wait, no, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, you know, because sometimes things are like right in your face, but you're just not interested because you're not ready to take that information. So when you did like wake up, like what were your first steps? Like what, what did you start to do? So the first thing, um, is I put a budget in place and I didn't know what I was doing. Like, you know, I've read all these books and I love reading. I'm such a big fan of reading. I'd read all these personal finance books and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try to do a budget. And it looked like a hot mess. It was just, if I go back in the archives and just show you, I could show you photos of what it looked like. It just looked a hot mess. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I tried to, you know, my thing was I tried to do a budget and then I tried to like, organize my debt in a way that I could start paying this off. And at first I was just throwing money at every debt that I, the, the amount of any amount of money that I could towards any debt. And it just didn't matter. I had no organization around it. Um, and then it slowly transitioned into, okay, I have a name for my budget and I have some framework that I can use. It's a zero based budget. <laughs> so I started putting that in place that gave me a little more guidance around my money. So for anyone who doesn't know, explain what a zero-based budget is. Okay. So a zero-based budget is basically like you sitting down, taking all of your take-home income before it even hits your account and allocating each dollar of that paycheck to a budget category until you spend every single dollar on paper. Um, and then when it hits your account, you know exactly where your money's going because you've already written down this spending list, right? That's that's what I like to say for people that don't like it to call it a budget. I say spending list because it literally is a list of items that you're going to spend your money on and it makes you really intentional. So I put a zero base budget in place um, and started working off of that and carrying that around and then taking pictures of it just so I can have it on my phone when I went to go spend money just so I could have the guidance. And then um, I went and found out that there was methods and ways that you could pay back your debt. Some of the most commonly term, uh, known terms, debt avalanche and debt snowball. Um, and that gave me a little more framework and structure around uh, how to pay back my debt. Um, for those of you that don't know, the debt avalanche is organizing your debts from highest interest rate to lowest interest rate, regardless of how much you owe, and then tackling it that way. The debt snowball, on the other hand, is not mathematically sound, but it's for those people that like the small wins. It caters more to people that um, just have it in their personality type to stay with stuff when they are constantly getting wins. Um, so the debt snowball is when you organize paying off your debt, smallest debt to largest debt, regardless of interest rate. Um, so you tackle that first debt by putting all the money that you can towards that while paying minimums on all of your other debt. And then once you pay off that smallest debt, you roll in all that money that you're paying to that debt up to the next debt and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, so I put those two things in place and then added the cash envelopes, which is like the Dave Ramsey system. A lot of people use it. Um, and that's when I really started feeling the momentum. So, yeah. So, um, at that point when you, you got serious, did you foresee like how long it will take you? Did you say oh, it's going to take me four years based on if I stick to this plan or did you not know yet? 
Um, yeah. So I started the, like, I would say like maybe six months in, that's when I started tackling more of that. Like first I had to get consistent with my habits and like figuring that out. Um, but then I started trying to do projections on how fast I could pay it off. Um, and I think my original projection was like three years, three and a half years. Um, I think. And then obviously the student loan that I had to pay back sooner rather than later, I had no idea, you know, cause I was just buying time at this point. There was no set like, Oh, you have a year to pay this back. No. Um, so that it just got a little convoluted, but yeah, my, I, I think my original projection was like three and a half years. Yeah. And I asked that for people who are listening and have debt and, you know, a good amount of debt where it may take them some time. Like it's always like there's so many calculators and I'll link um, some to the show notes here. Like even if you're just sitting down and putting down like how much you can afford to pay and then playing around with that, like, you know, four years versus if you cut out these things or get an income and out increase your income, like it could take you two years, like that kind of helps motivate you because when it is a big balance and, you know, you're only putting a couple hundred dollars, maybe a month, like it kind of seems like this is going to be forever. What's the point? But when you see like, oh no, like if I do these things, this can, can speed up the process. So what were some of the things that you actually did? Like, what did you, what habits did you change? What things did you have to now stick to, to be able to hit your goal? Yeah. So definitely the zero based budget. Like I can't stress that enough that it looked like a hot mess in the beginning. And now I can do it with my eyes closed. It just takes like a lot of time to get used to. Um, but there's other budgeting methods out there, but I do think the budget was literally the biggest tool that helped shift my whole financial trajectory. Um, the second thing was we cut expenses. We meaning me, my wife. Um, so we cut cable. We, uh, cut down our traveling a lot. So if we did any travel, majority of it was done through like just reward points that I had from a previous job. Um, when I did consulting, I racked up a lot of points, uh, for hotels and flights and all that stuff. Um, so we cut, uh, cable, we cut, um, travel for the most part. We also cut, um, our food down. So we were doing a lot more meal prep, um, just a lot less eating out and figuring out that the food can just take the most money. Um, and that could be the easiest place to start cutting. Uh, so that was just one and I'm a vegetarian, so it already makes it a little bit easier. (laughs) Our food budget, we made sure that we kept our rent, um, lifestyle inflation didn't kind of creep in. So we made sure our rent was under 25% of our take home. Um, which was a a really big thing in New York city, I think in order to, we're taxed so high. Um, you have to figure out how to, you know, maximize <laughs> your money without after that tax, right? After that 30% plus tax yeah. rate that we're, we're hit with. Um, I also got a side hustle and I had a few. So I did photography. I started my blog, was making money off of that. Um, did VIP kids here and there when I could. But definitely like the photography was one of the biggest things. I would just um, go on different photo shoots for friends trying to pick up extra cash through that. I started like a little page so I can start like making money um, from that. And then my blog. Um, and then any refunds that I received, which I sh- you shouldn't be, but yes, the, back then when I was terrible at money, that's something that's a real thing. And I say you shouldn't be because, you know, everyone knows that if you are given the government, um, you know, your money throughout the year and not receiving interest on it, you could be making it somewhere else. So that's why yep. I say the closest you are to zero, the better, but um, it happened. So any refunds or bonuses I got went straight to that. 
Um, so those are the biggest things I did. And then obviously the cash envelope system based from my zero base budget, cash envelopes being anything within that zero base budget that I said, Oh, I can pull out cash for, um, and leave everything else in my bank account for auto bills. I pulled out the cash, put them into different envelopes. Once they spent all of the cash in the envelope, say it would be for food for the month. That was it. Um, I had to figure it out and get creative. So, yeah. And I think the cash envelope system is good for people who are just really starting um, because, and because it will, if you stick to it and not like kind of cheat and go back to your bank <laughs> account, you really like literally, like if you're going to the grocery store um, and you're using this cash envelope, like you have this much to spend, like you cannot go over, you can't leave the store. Like you don't have the money. Uh, so I think that's a good, um, I think that's good for some people. Now, when you talk about like getting like you and your wife seem to like make these changes together, how was it for her? Like, was she already in tune to this stuff or did you have to convince her a bit about these changes that you guys are making about traveling and food and all that? Yeah. So I, I like, this is always an interesting question because she, um, so she, came with a little bit of debt, but I always like just not a little bit. She, I mean, she paid off and had her own journey, um, a lot uh, more prior to when we had started dating and then obviously got married. Um, but by the time, like I was in the thick of this, she was already, you know, debt free and, um, had the savings like in place to be able to pay off her stuff. So that was, that was done for her. Then it was like this whole moment of like, okay, well I still have a couple years to go. Uh, so <laughs> I need you to come on this journey with me. And she was more than happy. Um, I think sometimes there was, uh, I had to reiterate a couple of things here and there, but for the most part, uh, I think she was a great trooper throughout the entire process. Um, and it's tough too, because you also not only have to get your spouse or your partner on board. Um, if you're single, it's sometimes your friends on board with this, this whole journey, whether it be the fire journey or becoming debt free. Um, you know, the people around you have to kind of rally with this idea or they're not going to have any fun and start, you know, they may rain on your parade as far as reaching your goals are concerned. Yeah, definitely. Um, and same like with family, right? Like just the better, the more people you have in real life that get it and they can support you like the better. Yeah. So I, one of the things that you did, so I remember following you and I saw sometimes you'd post that you were like, like, cause you were working full time in the financial services industry, right? And yeah. then like, I would remember you like posting some stuff about like learning how to code, like on the side, like you were like saying, no, oh, like I did this project, like you were creating websites, I think. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, oh, that's like an interesting, like side thing just to like do for the fun of it. And then come to find out, like you made this big announcement that like you were well, like quitting your job to enroll in school. So I want you to talk about that journey. Cause I get so many people who ask about how to pivot in a career. Like maybe they're not happy or they just want different opportunities. And um, you did it, like you pivoted, you saved up money. So I do want to talk about that journey and what that can look like for someone. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like the fire journey, just to go back to the root of it, like inspired all of this, because I realized like getting out of debt was going to be the first step in order to, you know, achieve financial independence. Um, and then also just free up my options and financial independence can look like a lot of things to different people. And one of the, the biggest things for me was, Ooh, like maybe I can quit my job because I just don't really care for finance anymore. This isn't like a place that I want to be in anymore. Um, corporate finance, like corporate finance. Someone else. Yeah. And I do want to note that. So fire, um, I was just like saying, just in case like someone might be, this might be the very first episode they're listening to. And so fire stands for financially independent, retire early, um, which is what, you know, 
I feel like we all are kind of on a journey on it, even if we don't know it yet. So you're talking about being ignited by this like idea that you could literally choose like what you wanted to do for work without being held down by a job, right? Yeah, that was like the Mr. Mr. Money Mustache was one uh, one of the people that kind of inspired this journey. It's like, there's people that are retiring early and they're just doing whatever they want to do. Like, I need to get on board, but it's going to take me a while because I got to get out of debt first and then figure everything else out. Um, so got out of debt. And then I knew, like you had said early on, I started before I was even out of debt, I was like, I know what I'm going to do next. I know what I want to pivot to and I can start. The closer I got to debt freedom, the more my options started opening up and my vision just got so much clearer around what I wanted to do next. Um, how did you know what you wanted to do? Because I think that's another question people have. It's just like, what do I choose? Like, how did you know? For me, to be honest, like I just saw the writing on the wall. Like I love finance. It's something that if I could just study it night and day, I love it. The industry, I love finance in theory, but in practice, it's a little different, right? The industry can kind of beat you up. Um, But through that lens of just looking at finance, you look at the New York Stock Exchange and you see, you can see old pictures of how much the floor has changed since, you know, the 70s and 80s. There's hundreds of people on the floor. And now slowly but surely you see this trickle. And this is specific to, you know, kind of my path. So forgive me for this, but you see this trickle down to fewer and fewer people on the New York Stock Exchange. If you watch, uh, you you see the exchange or the ringing on the bell, um, they try to make it look really busy, but it's actually, there's not a lot of people anymore because there's this wave of light, of technology that has taken over the industry, especially in finance. So I started seeing that the writing on the wall, always been good at Excel, always loved like the nitty gritty details of numbers and just different things um, and building access databases and all that stuff. It just was a natural thing for me to just say, why didn't I ever consider, you know, software or computer programming? Um, And then again, I just saw that writing in the wall in the industry and I said, hey, I think that's my next move. But before I do that move and I want to feel confident in my next move and not be stuck doing something that I didn't want to for the you know next 10 years of my life, let me start trying this out. So getting up super early in the morning um, and just started coding and teaching myself uh, HTML and then working through like CSS and taking all these free courses online. There's plenty of resources to learn how to code. And the cool thing about the industry is you also don't need a degree in it. You just need to be able to know how to code, you know, know these different data structures, different languages, and you can the sky's the limit. Um, so I started with uh, HTML and CSS, which is pretty basic, but that's when you would see me in the morning posting, you know, hey, I'm coding at 5 a.m. before I went to work. And I really, really started like developing a love for it um, and did that for over a year, almost a year, over a year, almost a year, um, doing that in the morning, learning how to code. And then that's when I had said, this is for me. I knew a couple of weeks in, um, but I said, this is for me. This is what I want to do. This is the goal that I'm going to save for next is to quit so I can do a career transition and have enough money in the bank to feel comfortable to be able to do that. So got out of debt, saved as much money as I could, and then leaped on the opportunity, which it also like set me up in a right way to leap on the opportunity when it came up, which was to be able to go to coding school for free. Yeah. So I definitely want to talk about that is how did you decide how much you needed as a buffer as to give you that runway to, to do that? 
Oh, that's a great question. So when I had said, um, I can now do my budget and, you know, <laughs> with my eyes closed, uh, I literally sat down, did a projection budget, um, over the course of like, the next year and just saw how much, if I could kind of cut a few areas, how much I could actually put away to be able to save as much of a buffer as possible. So I had a goal in mind. Um, I looked at my, I did bare bones expenses for the month and try to set my minimum for six months to save for that particular uh, goal. So six months worth of expenses that would give me enough time to go to a three month coding boot camp. And then time to find a job, I thought, right? Um, but that was just the the goal. The aim was to just go much higher than that. Um, just obviously, the bigger the runway, the better. Um, so just literally calculated my bare bones monthly expenses, times that by six. And I said, this is what I need to, to quit. Yeah. The minimum. <laughs> yeah. So did you at that point start... Um, to like kind of calculate how much you could potentially earn. Like, so going, going to coding school, uh, possibly paying for that. I know you just said you went for free, so we can talk about what that was like. But then was it going to be a big pay cut? Um, like, how were you weighing this, this idea of quitting something you didn't love to do something you loved? And then the money, um, the loss of money in the interim that you, you know, from not working and then possibly the difference of earning potential. That's great. That's a great question because me and my wife were actually talking about that the other day. And sometimes it's, it's something that I kind of have a hard time reconciling still, but I'm getting much better at it because I'm, I'm, I have this abundance mindset that no matter what the money's going to make it back to me. And I always, whenever I start feeling this doubt, um, I always try to replace those doubts with, with that, like, you know, more for anybody else doesn't mean less for me and vice versa. Um, so the transition, like with the pay and my whole mindset around that was, you know, I'm going, I'm leaving finance and I feel like I've wasted the past 10 years, not wasted, but it hasn't been a great ride. Here we go. Um, I love the people I work with and not necessarily all the stuff that I was doing, but it hasn't been the greatest ride for the past 10 years while making great money and being really stressed. And now I'm looking on the horizon of like being in software engineering. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what that's going to look like from a pay perspective. But now that I've set myself up financially to be in the space where there's no debt, um, I mean, but except our mortgage, and which is also we kept kept as low as possible for whatever reasons or whatever things are coming up on the horizon in life. Um, to pivot from, you know, finance to now software engineering, where I don't know what that pay is going to look like. I know eventually it's going to be a lot of money. Um, it was a, it was a mindset. It's one of those things where you kind of identify. I know a lot of people in finance identify with their salaries and that's uh, a lot, like that's a big thing for them. And I think like going from finance and now making less than half of what I was making in finance, and something that took me 10 years to build up to, right? Because I just didn't get handed a really great salary that took a lot of time and effort to, you know, get to the level that I achieved in the corporate world. To just throw that all to the wind for the unknown was very tough. And I think a lot of people might be like, oh, that's, you know, you're crazy. Um, but I feel much happier. I can work from home. I wear jeans. I, my stress level is, like non-existent now, except when all I'm doing is dreaming and code. Um, so all the pros 
definitely outweigh the cons. And I'm still making money. And it's not something where we feel like we're drowning because I no longer have that salary um, that I did have just because we set ourselves up for this financially in a very good way. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love everything you said. I can relate to it so much because I gave up, you know, a good salary and like a great career trajectory for the unknown also. And, you know, that's why, you know, to a certain level, like money, it's not that like money can buy happiness to a certain point, um, but it's not the ultimate be all. What's helpful is when you have things set up where you're not worrying about money, like so no debt and, you know, maybe a, like like a support system or backup plans. Right. So like if anything does happen, you have a support system that can like help you possibly or, you know, you don't feel all out there alone. And so I feel like that's why I just starting the journey, which is, you know, the the goal of never having to work again because you have enough money invested and saved is a very big one. But without paying off your debt and starting your journey and like getting things together, same with me, like I wouldn't be, had been able to take this leap. Right. And, you know, sometimes I say this can accelerate my path. Like I can actually reach there faster than I thought I could when I was working in the six-figure job because I'm happier. I'm living my like truth. Or it could delay it, but you know what? It's okay. Or it could never happen the way I thought it would. And that's fine because I, at least I'm like happier. Right. And like, you're doing what, what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So talk about just now. So the coding. So I've had a couple episodes and I'll link them about just alternative um, careers and education because the way that we've been taught um, about like how to get our degrees and like, you know, making money right out of college. Like it's totally different now. Um, It's a new wave. Like you said, technology, AI, like that's all the wave. And so we have to get on board. So for you, when you started to look at coding schools, like how did you decipher which coding school? Um, There are like tons of opportunities for that. And then how did you do it for free? What did that look like? Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't going to go back into debt. So that was, (laughs) that was my biggest, like, can't do it, won't do it. Um, So when I started researching coding schools, I was trying to figure out one, what was going to be the cheapest route? What was going to allow me to be as focused as possible? Because I also considered part-time, but word to the wise, I I tried a four-week part-time class after work. Uh, It was two days a week from six to nine. And it was very challenging to pick up coding, me personally. Some people can do that. Um, my style, I had known that early on that doing a part-time program was just not going to work for me or get me to a coding job any faster or faster than I wanted to. So, um, I started researching schools, one based on price, one based on their like jobs report. So, um, I say that with air quotes because, uh, there are a lot of schools out there that, you know, will say that they've placed a lot of graduates at different companies and their numbers don't necessarily add up. Um, so that's just really important, but also you have to know that you're risking the same thing than when you go to college and get a degree. You don't know if you're going to get a job right after that. Uh, just something to be mindful of. So I looked at the job numbers, took it with a grain of salt, but you know, it's, it's somewhat seriously because obviously I only have three months runway after I get out of this full time program, um, and then try to figure out if I could do it for free if I was going to feel comfortable trying to go through a bunch of courses to be able to get this done, or if I actually really did have to go to a boot camp, and if there was any scholarships or money available for me to be able to attend. Uh, so a lot of these boot camps um, offer uh, uh, scholarships for minorities, for women, and um, 
uh, I think, I believe some offer for vets as well. Uh, so that's just something like really important to just look into if you're considering for any of your listeners considering going to a boot camp. Um, I ultimately decided on going to a boot camp. So um, I said the only way I'm going to go is if it's free or if I can get like some massive discount. I ended up getting a lesbians um, in tech uh, scholarship that paid for 50% of a boot camp of my choice. Um, that was great until I couldn't get into the boot camp of my choice. I got rejected. Oh, no. uh-huh. <laughs> and while that was happening, the universe heard me saying, Hey, like I, I really don't want to go back into debt. I'm trying to change my life around. And an opportunity came up where if you were, uh, me and my wife had just moved to Connecticut a year ago this month. Um, we had moved to Connecticut and the opportunity came up where this Connecticut government was offering any residents of Connecticut an opportunity to go to a coding, this particular coding uh, boot camp. I went to General Assembly, um, to General Assembly because they wanted to, there, there's a whole government initiative to keep tech jobs here in the state of Connecticut. Uh, so that opportunity dropped in my lap, but. Jamila, if I was not preparing and trying to save as much as possible, because it actually messed up my savings timeline. I mean, this was very tight. It actually took off two months. Um, so I was caught in between, you know, this 50% scholarship. I eventually got into the school that I was trying to get into. And then this free scholarship. Um, and the free scholarship meant I was not going to have the runway that I wanted. Um, the had to wait longer to start. Yeah, I would have yeah. to wait longer to start, which then I would miss the opportunity. But did I have most of it? Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I had 90% of you know the money that I needed. And then on the flip side, I could have waited longer, taken this 50% scholarship, ended up coming out of uh, school with uh, a, a debt of $7,500 um, and only paying, having to pay that back when I graduated, or excuse me, got, actually got a full-time job. But that would have meant, you know, paying for school and then transportation into the city, um, which was it's very expensive for me coming from commuting from Connecticut to New York for uh, anyone that doesn't live in this kind of tri-state area. uh, It costs, you know, six hundred, seven hundred dollars a month for a person um, commuting from Connecticut into the city where a lot of jobs are. Right. Um, So that would have been an extra cost, something that I wasn't preparing to save for, but I would have had more time to save. And, you know, I took in all of these different variables and I went back and forth, went back and forth and finally said, you know what, I'm almost there with my goal. Um, As far as saving, I'm happy that I set myself up and was so determined to save as much money as possible, as quickly as possible. I'm going to take this leap and figure it out. Uh, So I went ahead and seized the opportunity that was free 99 for me to go to coding bootcamp. And I stayed here in Connecticut and it worked out wonderfully because before I had even quit, um, I had a job. I'm not sorry. Sorry. Before I finished school, uh, I believe I was the first person in my class to, um, have a job offer in hand ready to go. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So talk about abundance mindset and just like being just open to opportunity. So how did you find out about the Connecticut boot camp? Cause I'm wondering like if people can start looking up if there are opportunities like that for them and wherever they live. Um, so the boot camp. Uh, so my friend had said, Hey, I'm looking at general assembly. They have boot camps kind of everywhere. Um, 
in Denver. Uh, you should check this one out because again, I didn't get into the, the, my initial school the first time around. Um, I actually got rejected and they said, Hey, try again in a couple months. So, um, while I was trying to figure out, okay, maybe another school that I'd be interested in. Cause I really, really wanted to go to this first school. Like, I don't know why, but I really wanted to. Um, so my ego was busted up from that. So she said, check out this school. So I checked out this school. Um, and I had actually like went to an information session a while ago and completely forgot about it. Uh, called up one of the admissions person and she said, oh, if you're interested in taking a full-time, we're offering it free for Connecticut residents because of this initiative. Um, but you have to take it, it, it you have to start uh, in the class that starts in September. And again, that's what messed up the timeline. So really it was just by chance where, you know, I started looking and trying to be open to other things. So I had this, you know, set path in my head and the way that I was going to get there and it ended up shifting and being looking completely different than what I had planned. Uh, but it turned out much better. Uh, yeah. so I can't orchestrate it better than the universe can. <laughs> yeah. And that's what for everyone, like you just never know, like sometimes like the gift won't look like a gift, like look, it comes in a different package than you think it will. Um, sometimes you may not even notice it, even if it, seems like a setback or just a delay and it's just like no 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 i think i am one of those people that i really think even the bad things are are a part of it and help you learn so um that's amazing so this boot camp um like how long did it take you to like complete it and then you said you got a, a job offer so can you talk through like how long it took and then like so you're working now like as a coder or yeah. or in developer yeah developer <laughs> um what that's like now is it everything you dreamed of because you know i think some people think like okay i want to do this different thing cuz it's going to be better and then sometimes they are doing it and they're like oh this doesn't feel better i feel the same or it's not as great as i thought i love that no and just to like go yeah that point is excellent because i think that's why i'm such a planner so that's why I wanted to make sure I really wanted to know if this was going to be for me. And I started doing that early on. Like, can I code for extended period periods of time on a Saturday? Um, because that's what I, I try to mirror what I thought work might look like as a, a coder um, to really see if I could do this. Can I code for eight hours? Because then that means I really like it. If I can't, then this might not be for me and I don't want to waste my time. So I'll figure something else out. Um, but yeah, so the, the coding bootcamp was three months long. It was an intensive or an immersive, uh, course where it was, uh, we went from, uh, nine to, we did nine to five. Sorry. I don't know why I'm forgetting this. And then we had a lot of coursework outside. So basically every evening, uh, maybe two, three weeks in, we were building websites like every single night. Um, so a lot of time is very intensive. I was working on the weekends through coding stuff. Um, and I can't, I can't tell you how many hours outside of the classroom they say like, it's a very intense three month program for a reason. Um, because you're just putting in so much hours. There'd be nights, you know, I'm up to 11, one, two, trying to get homework done for the next day because we're learning a new topic. So that was three months of, I got to chill on the weekends. Can't really do much because I'm having to do this, these lessons and get through this homework um, uh, plus 40 hours a week. So it was not like a walk in the park. It wasn't like, oh, come in at nine, leave at five. People were coming in at eight, staying until eight and then leaving and then going home and doing homework. Um, did that for three months. It was 12 weeks, 13 weeks program, like a 
12 and a half week program. Um, and then on the last week, uh, interviewed with a company the, in the, the boot camp, a lot of these boot camps, the cool thing about it is that if they have a good alumni program, um, other alumni are willing to reach out and tap you as a new student because they, they've gone through that same process and they know what it's like to change careers or to learn something new. And the cool thing about the, any of these boot camps is you have people from all different walks of life, different ages, different backgrounds. Um, you know, we have people, older, older folks at our cohort, that's, the, that's what you call your class, um, down to, you know, people that had just graduated or no degrees at all. So it was just a cool thing because you get to all these different backgrounds. Um, and then they go on to get jobs and then they, you know, look back and see who can I help? Who can I bring out and get their first tech job? Because it actually is pretty hard to land your first tech, tech, uh, your first job in the tech industry. And then once you do, then you're, you're okay. Um, so the cool thing is they went back and looked through our cohort and said, Hey, I've seen this girl on Forbes. <laughs> because was, of your, because of your um, blog for of make real sense. Yeah. So it was one of, yeah, they, one of the, my, the person that hired me, he had seen my article and it, he had kind of seen my face. He remembers and he was trying to put it all together and he goes, Oh my goodness, she's an alumni from the school. I need to reach out to her. We actually had similar backgrounds. We actually at one point worked at the same investment bank. Um, so he was like, look, we were both in finance. We dropped out of finance. Uh, we're Wall Street dropouts to go and code. And now, you know, I got to help you. Right. Well, talk about the universe, God, like <laughs> aligning, like, and this is why, like, so as you might've thought like, oh, you know, all these mistakes or things I did that were you, cause you said, I know you took it back, but you said like for those 10 years, like you felt like it was kind of like, you know, not your path, but it's like ironic because if you did not do that for those 10 years, you would not have gotten the opportunity <laughs> now. I literally, that was the best aha moment. Thank you, Jamila, for that. I have never, I have actually not put that together and I appreciate you for that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Cause that is 100% true. Um, you kind of look back and think that it's a mistake. And then all of the things that I've done up until this point, even with not getting into the first coding boot camp, because I was really um, just brokenhearted over that, he would have never, you know, recognized me as an alum because that's not the school that he went to. Yeah. And I challenge everyone, like everyone has this. It's not like it's, I'm telling you, it's all weaving itself together um for your for your purpose okay so you now are working full-time you get this job I don't know if you are comfortable with sharing but like what was like the pay cut like what are you expecting because I think some people think like okay maybe I like coding too or I want to learn this like what's the potential here for someone to think about like making a salary okay cool so I'll give you the range so in New York City it's great um my salary for my actual first coding job is not bad at all. I'll give you a range though. It's 60 to 70,000. Okay. Um, yeah, it's yeah. great. And I think, you know, the cool thing about it, what now that I'm such like a big, um, like advocate of the coding bootcamp is you can literally, even if you had to pay 15,000 for tuition, I've, and I left that out actually, most of the coding bootcamps, the average is 15,000 for three months. Um, and most of these schools have programs where you don't have to pay that back until you get a job. Uh, if you can come out instead of being this young kid saying, I don't know if college is for me, I'm going to just try this coding boot camp and then try to get a job. You eliminate so much pain and heartache. 
by, and it, don't get me wrong. I think a CS degree is great. A computer, computer science degree is great. And a lot of people actually want that and maybe even require it. There are jobs that are tangible and within reach for people that maybe college isn't, you know, the traditional college route isn't for them. Um, so you can, you know, invest 15,000 or what I like to say and come out on the other, the flip flip side, making 70, 80, 90, some of these, um, job reports, um, from these coding boot camps, 30% of their people come out making 120, 100,000. So, and this is across different regions. This isn't just New York City where those salaries are kind of, you know, not expected, but they're, they, they're a dime a dozen. I hate to say it for a, a majority of people um, working with any career in New York City. Um, but I think that it's just, it, it's a great place to, figure out your income as far as like just being exponential. Um, so that's the range I'm in right now. Um, and the cut again, we haven't felt much of an impact because we were already trying to reduce a lot of things and set ourselves up financially to be able to, you know, maintain anything that kind of came our way. Even if we say, for instance, down the road, want to have a child prepare for that. So where maybe one of us can take off for a year, you know, whatever that needs to look like. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. You did. And I think this is just really helpful and lets someone see the possibility. So whether, you know, I always like to relay, like if you maybe have a child that's more into um, tech and coding, like, they can possibly bypass, you know, because you can you, some you don't have to go to undergrad with some of this stuff, right? Like you can. Or you yes. Can so they they do want you like there's some companies like big companies. They may want you to have a CS degree. But Elon Musk the other day, I don't know if you saw the post, but <laughs> for Tesla or excuse me, SpaceX, he just wants you to know how to code. Doesn't matter what age, doesn't matter. And a lot of these brilliant coders um, that I'm seeing you know, they started touching code when they were 10, seven, eight as early on. Um, and maybe never went on to get their CS degree. And if they did get their CS degree, it was a, just a nice compliment to their solid skill set already where, you know, they can come out of, uh, college and command large salaries and, or not go the traditional route, maybe go to a boot camp to hone in their skills. Um, and then go from there and continue to self-learn and, and be self-taught and, you know, get these great salaries. So I think it's all just dependent on what's the best route for you. Um, I wish I would have done maybe a CS degree or done a boot camp earlier. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But I just think it's um, the the courage to pivot because some people like they have the idea that they want to do something, but they're afraid um, to take the the pay cut or what the possibilities are and to leave a sure thing, quote unquote, for an unknown, unsure thing is pretty scary. So I just, I'm just happy that you're able to share this. Um, and, you know, you shared like the real of it too. It's work. It's not like, you know, it's just easy. I mean, depending on your passion for it, right? Like you can withstand it, but it's still going to be work. So I always say too, like, make sure you try to like talk to people doing the job you possibly want or, or, who's a little more steps ahead of you. Um, so you can like really see what it's like versus maybe just the highlights that you see of just the good things. Right. Instead of like the movies and the Facebooks and, you know, like seeing all that. Cause it's not, that's what drawed me into, uh, drew me into, uh, finance. Cause I thought, you know, it was going to be wall street and trading and it's just, it was none of that. Um, so I think it is very important to even ask mentors or shadow like, Hey, I'm looking into to get into this. Can you give me the nitty gritty? Like, what are the, 
the good things? What are the bad things? What do you like most? What do you, you know, can you connect me with other people? Even doing that on LinkedIn, to just get a good feel of what you're walking into before you take that leap. And I think honestly, that's the most responsible thing you can do just to prepare yourself. Because again, you don't want to be looking to switch from one career and then get into another one. And like you said, just feel the same, if not worse. Yeah. So, and I interviewed Scott Young, who wrote the book, Ultra Learning. I forgot the exact episode. And in it, it's like, he talks about like, when you're planning to learn, like you should make a plan for the learning. And actually I forgot the percentage, so I'll probably mess this up, but he was like 20% of your time should be just planning it. Like, so that you, you have a framework um, that you can follow. And so there's just Absolutely. like, <laughs> um, okay. So what's next for like, so the personal finance stuff that you do, right? Cause you do have like a really great personal finance brand where you're talking about budgeting and you're talking about a lot of like, you know, finance things. So do you foresee yourself do, still doing that? Um, and then also doing software engineer or coding <laughs> stuff or, um, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So it actually, it's been nice because my company's a breath of fresh air as it relates to like the personal finance stuff. Because honestly, uh, it's hard to do the personal finance stuff for compliance reasons as it relates to whatever individual bank you're at. Because they usually have policies in place where they say, hey, if you give any type of financial like advice, which I wasn't, but you know, like any personal <laughs> guidance thing, right? Yeah, like, investing. investing. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. you're acting as a direct competitor for them. So there was it was very hard to maintain make real sense while in that industry. And now it's a great breath of fresh air because my current employer is happy to support all things. Um, uh, loves the fact that I'm passionate about personal finance, and it's just great. It's, I'm super open about it. I said, "Hey, I gotta come home. I'm gonna do a podcast tonight um, for my personal finance stuff." Um, but now we're, me and my wife are just, you know, recalibrating and re- reconciling our goals and figuring out what we want to do next. Uh, so one of the big things was to purchase a new car for her, which we just did and paid, we paid it completely in cash, um, which was very nice to just go to a dealership after, you know, stocking the cars for a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the next thing is going to be to put our emergency fund in place, um, build that back up to a, a very comfortable level. Um, and then just the sky's the limit with, uh, investing and trying to really pivot into the fire movement now that we've gotten all the baby steps and things out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. And then because now you have this like new career and skill set, like you said, like there's so many opportunities out there, like for you now. So many, I mean, people are like, Hey, can you build me this website? You know, everybody starts saying, yeah, can you build me an app? I'd actually, I'm Carmen. I need an app for journey. Can can you build me an app? Can you fix the printer? I don't know. It's a bunch of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) No, so this is amazing. Um, so I definitely going to link some of the stuff you mentioned here, but please let everyone know where they can follow more of your journey and learn more about you. Yeah. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the handle at make real sense um, as like the change. So C E N T S. So make real sense. Um, and you can also go over to my blog at www.makerealsense.com um, and subscribe. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this, um, uh, at screenshot it and like tag Carmen and I like on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you're, most hang out because I always love seeing when people are listening and let me know like if you're like oh I should be a like 
I'm going to switch careers now. Or if you got an aha from this. So thank you, Carmen, so much again for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. This was a blast. Um, And thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Jamila. I hope you got really inspired and got some actionable tips from Carmen and I's conversation just now. Like I said, I feel like everything happens for a reason. And so I just love how throughout our conversation, we talked about the fact that she was able to get to this dream job of hers by going through all the steps before that, that she didn't realize connected with one another. And I feel like if you're listening, it's the same thing for you too. You may not ultimately be where you want to be, And that's okay. Every single thing you've done up to this moment has led you to where you want to be. It's leading you there. You just got to trust the process and make the most of the journey. So if you want any of the episode show notes or any of the links that we mentioned, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode. If you're listening to this on your phone in an app, let's say Apple Podcasts, you should be able to just say like read more and it should give you a description where you can get some links there too. Now, if you are listening to this in Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. I read every single review and it just really shows me that you're taking out the time to really just give some feedback and really just support the show because honestly, it matters to me (laughs) that we have so many reviews. It shows how engaged and amazing my listeners, you journeyers are with the content. So that helps with future people who maybe want to sponsor the podcast and companies that they see. Like, listen, the Journey to Launch community is engaged and they care and they are enjoying the content. So thank you for doing that. And so even if you don't listen in Apple Podcasts, the best thing you can do is just subscribe however you listen whether it's on YouTube or Spotify, just make sure you are staying in tune with the content so that you don't miss a thing. As promised, I wanted to share some tips from today's sponsor, Empower, on how to get financial relief from the coronavirus outbreak. They wrote a really great blog, which I'll link to in the episode show notes on how to get financial relief. And some of their tips are, one, call your lenders and ask to reschedule payments. I really, really like this one. I've actually had some journeyers actually do this and get payments stopped. So here's what it is. Many lenders are being flexible given the financial hardships of borrowers right now. So your credit card companies and your car and home companies, they are either postponing or reducing interest and principal payments. So you need to call them and see if they can work with you to reduce or stop these payments for the time being. That way you can redirect the cash you would have sent to those payments to more essential purchases or to beef up your emergency fund. The second thing you can look into doing is reducing your student loan payments. If you've got a federal loan and have seen a decrease in your income because of the coronavirus outbreak, then you should be able to reduce your payments via an income-based repayment plan. Go to studentaid.gov to see if you qualify and how you can get that started. But that's a really, really good step to look into doing. The third thing you can look into doing is cutting your expenses. So you may be currently in a shelter in place order or social distancing. And maybe you've seen some of your expenses go down if you're going out less. But now is a really good time to evaluate the cash inflows and outflows of your household and commit to cutting back on the categories that are just really nice to have. So really start looking at your budget, get a budget if you don't have one, be a little bit more disciplined now that you may need more savings on hand. Actually, the Empower app has a really good spend tracking feature to help you do that. 
So if you do want to try out Empower, download Empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R in the App Store or Play Store. You can also get $5 when you use the code JOURNEY and reach your savings goals. Visit empower.me slash journey for more details. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. Okay, until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers. 